Welcome, Ben. Thanks for coming on to have a chat with me. Thanks a lot for having me on. We we finally we finally got here for our listeners. We've we've arranged some and missed some, and uh, and uh, yeah, here we are. Brilliant. We've so, moved mountains and oceans today, haven't we? We have. I think before I press record, I could hear seagulls. Could I hear seagulls in your background? You can hear seagulls. I have, I live in Exeter, and uh, there are. Sea- Is it too loud? No, no, it's good. It's, it's good. I love the atmosphere. <laughs> well, it's very, very ambient. It's very. I mean, it's not too far away from the sea anyway, so it's uh, yeah, sea vibes and seagulls, and they just they poo everywhere. Bit of a news really, but what did he do? Lovely Exeter. How long have you been there? Uh, I've been here for about uh, three years now. Um, it's a really nice place. I came down for a university originally, um, and then sort of stayed working for Coros. Um, and yeah, it's it's a really nice place. Obviously, we've got the Dart, uh, the Dartmoor uh, National Park just down the road. Uh, we've got beaches everywhere, so it's it's actually pretty good. To be fair, it's like living in Cornwall, but without living in Cornwall. Um, so yeah, it's a really nice place. We've um, one of our uh, one of our team, Matt, lives in Exeter, and there is actually a UK runner Exeter Running Club, which goes from the the Keys, I think, if I remember rightly. Is that? Is that a local oh, place? I, it is, yeah. There's, there's the key. I didn't know there was a, a local group there. I'll check that out. Awesome. Yeah, on a, on a Tuesday uh, but, evening, I think Matt does his sessions down there. Awesome. I'll, I'll, I'll have a look out for him. Hmm. Cool. So, awesome. so I, obviously, we, for, for listeners to, to know, we've we've spoken previously, um, but give us a give us an introduction to to you ben you know where, i obviously i've said in your introduction there that you work at chorus but to, just give us a bit of an intro to yourself please mate sure so um well i uh, i guess my, my first sort of interest in sport sort of started when i was working at a bicycle shop um number of moons ago probably about six years ago um really got into cycling uh, mountain biking and then sort of took an interest in, in, in wearables uh, information and sort of the whole sort of metrics you get from obviously using GPS devices and, um, you know, on bike accessories and speed sensors and cadence and heart rate and all that sort of stuff and how you can sort of improve yourself. That that was all very interesting to me. So I actually got um, a an internship with Garmin. Um, I went and worked with them for a little bit, worked on their product pay um, work. So... Uh, Garmin Pay, um, and how people can pay with their watches and stuff. Um, This was uh, after starting and and, and not yet finishing uh, a business degree at University of Exeter. I need to do that at some point, but um, this takes precedence at the moment, I think. Um, And and, and just sort of took an interest in wearables. Uh, It's obviously a growing industry, a growing market. So it's, it's, it's not just wearables either. It's hearables. It's like, um, you know, things like... Um, super sapien and and, and and this gatorade you know the way that tracking sodium and tracking glucose and all this sort of stuff so it's very interesting it's very wide and vast um and sort of got in with coros um from an early stage became the head of marketing for uk um and then sort of quickly sort of progressed through the ranks to become um head of marketing for northern europe um northern europe market manager um, and then sort of recently, four months ago, three months ago, um, I became the global partnerships manager. Uh, so I work uh, on the basis of sort of performance marketing with athletes and ambassadors and PR and media um, to the point of now where 
in a in you know it's not not solely down to me, but we're in a really strong position where uh, we're really being taken seriously by competitors. Uh, customers are obviously coming to us as a as a clear alternative choice to what else is on the on the, on the market. Um, so, in terms of the company's um, life cycle, in terms of it growing, it's still at a very sort of early stage in terms of being an innovator. Uh, but it's a really exciting time because we've got so much yeah. in the works that is just, you know, making people make the switch um, from, you know, which and, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm sure people uh, are with me on this. It's like, you know, Garmin dominate the cycling industry and they also, to an extent, dominate, you know, the running industry. When If you take, into, take out Fitbit and Apple Watch and that sort of stuff. And then we're coming in and we're sort of disrupting it with a new product, which is simple and easy to use and, and, and you know, just a, a sort of more durable sort of watch. Um, and it's a it's a very exciting time to be a part of. It's a great culture as well. Um, and, yeah. and everyone loves it. And, and people, like, people like the underdog, don't they? So that's uh, that, that helps as yeah, well. They do. Yeah, they do indeed. So how long's Coros been going now? Uh, so I think it was about 2014, uh, which was the sort of launch um, that started off from a Kickstarter campaign. So uh, it was publicly crowdfunded uh, back in 2014. And, and Corus actually started doing bicycle helmets to begin with. Um, and these were smart bicycle helmets. So they would allow you to still ride, um, but you'd be able to listen to music and also listen to cars around you as well. But they were also, sort of also safety helmets. So they would... Um, notify your next of kin if you fell off with crash sensors. They would have LEDs in them, um, but it was all about being safe on the bike um, and yeah. using smart helmet technology. Um, and then we sort of sort of left that industry um, on the on the on the basis of releasing the Pace Watch, which was the first GPS watch by Coros. Um, and this was this was really sort of dedicated towards. Um, uh, sort of track and competitive roadrunners, and it, it was so popular, um, and the features within it, it that it sort of just made a, a clear sense to go and, you know, follow the G, GPS category as opposed to cycling helmets. So you, you probably still will find Coral cycling helmets for sale in the market, but you know we, we we're sort of solely focused on of wearables at the moment, um, yeah, and obviously take taking the industry by storm, which is great. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, the, the, the comments that we see on social media um, are, are always very, very positive um, about Coros, particularly the battery life, but we'll, we'll come back to that. Um, I saw a, I, I'm sure I saw a comment a week or two ago saying that somebody had gone 16 or 17 days and they'd run every day and uh, <laughs> then they were shouting about it. But we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that. You, you mentioned that you... Um, so you worked for Garmin in product pay. So you, that gave you a good grounding then, did it, before coming on to Coros? That gave me a great grounding, yeah. So my, my role, um, well, I started as an intern um, with them and then sort of uh, Garmin had never done an internship before. So it was the first time their UK company had ever done one. And it was clear that they weren't really set up to provide the sort of training in an internship. So I just said to them, listen, I, I want to be valuable while I'm here. Um, give me a full-time job um, and so I came product product, product manager uh, of Garmin Pay um, and my role was basically um, all around <clears throat> um, onboarding and setting up banks to be compatible with Garmin Pay so that you could take your watch and go into a shop and pay for it um, 
which you know is a very very long and drawn out process um as you can probably imagine there's a lot there's legal framework there's regulation aml kyc there's loads of these regulations obscure regulations that no one's ever heard of before but all very yeah. important stuff to stop money laundering and stop you know theft of money and it's all tokenized and so it's like can't be stolen and copied it's but it was it was interesting um and i think also it sort of highlighted you know that sort of payment technology um, is, is quite an interesting aspect as well to the wearables industry because you've not just got um, you've, you've not just got a pay on your wallet but you've also can have the ability to put little payment chips into literally everything you could put it into a water bottle you could put it into your uh, key ring and you could pay you know with your water bottle or you could you know you could have this little chip you could put it you could put it probably in your bicycle helmet and then when you go to pay you just put your head next to it and it, and it works but all that yeah. sort of stuff is quite interesting but more than that it's like you could put a little chip in your little finger and, and just pay with your finger and i think that is insane um is that the so future that, i think that's the future i think that's the future for a lot of things um but yes uh coming back to the point um so it gave me a really good grounding working at garmin um and obviously um garmin dominating a lot of their categories um, to have that sort of insider knowledge and that sort of um, understanding of culture was obviously really valuable to a lot of Garmin's other brands and competitors. Yeah, um, and obviously quite, under- that, that role in Garmin was that that was quite weighty then as an internship. So I mean, AML and KYC for for listeners who don't know what those are, they're anti money laundering and know your customer. So these, you know, there were some quite hefty, heavy processes you'd have had to. Have implemented for you know for a financial thing like that that's right so i i worked um i had a team well they're not my team but i worked in parallel um with the mastercard teams um so mastercard have got their own sort of payment um technology uh teams there's a guy yeah. uh, called john who's a fantastic guy uh and he you know he basically does what i do but for mastercard so we sync up and we make sure the banks are all set up um through uh, the system and, and and it all works in you know seamlessly um but it's there's a lot of tokenization i'm not going to get on to how tokenization works because it's a, it's an absolute minefield um but it yeah you're absolutely right it was it was a lot to take in um but i think quite interesting as well and i probably might even return to that industry in the future if it comes to fingers yeah yeah it's very it's very interesting to think <laughs> On last week's episode of the podcast, I spoke to um, Ed and Nina from Bird Run, and they're they're building a an EQ AI coaching app. And they would, and you know, I was trying to discuss with them, um, you know, what the future lies with technology. And you've alluded to it already, you know, finger payments, etc. It's 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 crazy how fast the, the faster technology advances that technology enables you to advance even faster so thinking where we'll be in the next five years is just a bit mind-blowing really isn't it absolutely and, and my sort of um chosen sort of major at university was uh behavioral economics and it's looking at the way in which people make decisions and obviously how people are almost predictably irrational you can you can guess what they're going to do before they do it and, and one of the one of the many things within that and it comes back to payment technology and it's very interesting is the idea of financial abstraction and it's the whole idea of having a wallet on your wrist you know you're paying electronically not via cash so you don't feel the transaction you don't feel the, the actual money leaving your account so you spend more 
Um, you know, it's one of the reasons why you know restaurants don't put prices on their menus or they take away the pound sign. Um, you know, from mm. the menus just to sort of take that sort of transactional idea away from it. And I find that incredibly interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it, you know, it comes back to this thing in the future. If if Mastercard can get out some way of putting chips into people's fingers, obviously there's going to be a load of regulation, human um, EU directorates, you know, that stop this sort of thing. But if you could, people are just going to spend to the point where they just they bankrupt themselves. Probably, um, it's you know, it's, it's 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 insanely interesting, isn't it? But I guess that's why we have um, payment um, restrictions. You know, up to forty pounds in shops and stuff, so that people, well, a don't have their cards stolen, but b, you know, are, are in a rational mindset when they make a purchase. Yeah, yeah. So um, tell tell us more about Coros then. What, what's your what, a bit more about your role? Um, that'd be good. Sure. So as I said, so I'm, I'm global partnerships manager. So I work um, globally, but with English speaking countries, um, which are obviously North America and uh, most of Northern Europe. So Benelux, uh, but also Australia, New Zealand, uh, a little bit of Malaysia, and some other countries around the world. Um, and, and my sort of role is sort of split between what we what we classify as guest content, um, which are sort of micro influencers. These are people who aren't at the stage who are, you know, Instagram influencers. They're more sort of loyal. They're brand ambassadors. They're people maybe who have got up to 50,000 followers on Instagram, just as a sort of ballpark figure to give you an idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and we work with these people to obviously um, create um, content and obviously stories around our products. Uh, and then aside from that, I also work with PR and media. So I've got you know one of the biggest media lists you've ever seen in your life um, of, of people uh, you know who are going to review our products, um, you know put news features out, um, and obviously having these relationships with um, PR and media, but also with um, the guest content people. So, in terms of relationships, I'm effectively the, the relationships manager. Um, so it, it's, a, it's a really nice job because it means I get to talk to and work with a lot of people. Obviously, it's slightly difficult at the moment with, with COVID because ideally it would have been great to go to the National Running Show and meet all these people finally um, because I'd started with Coros just before um, COVID hit. So it would have been lovely to meet all these people. Uh, but, you know, we could still do it in the future, hopefully. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a really cool job. And obviously it, it, it's one of those jobs where it, it, it's performance-based. So you can, you can see if your efforts one month or one week or one quarter are making a difference to the overall, uh, product activations. We say how many watches are activated in a particular week. And we use that as a quantifiable way of whether we're, we're doing well. Um, and, and you can see, you know, from, from the amount of work that's going into PR or guest content that a week later or a month later, there is a significant development in the number of product activations. And that's obviously good in terms of uh, morale and motivation going forward. Yeah. Um, so it's a really good position to be in. Love it. It's going well. Good. Good. Well, I'd imagine you'll, uh, well, you don't have to travel nowadays, but if you've got that kind of uh, remit, you could be a, uh traveling around meeting all of you people as well post-covid which hopefully we're getting there hopefully um, absolutely and, and the fantastic thing about this role as well uh, i should say as well is that it's all remote based so it's, as long as i've got wi-fi I, I you know i could work so i could be literally anywhere around the world i could be 
you know, across Mongolia in a camper van. As long as I've got Wi-Fi, that's what I probably would do there. But, you know, you can just work anywhere, which is great. And obviously have the freedom to visit people and go to different cities and towns and stuff. So so that's really cool as well. I like yeah. that benefit. It's interesting how COVID, you know, the working from home theme is... So I've I've spoke to a couple of people this last week. So a good a good friend of mine is he's a, he's in a quite a high level corporate position, um, and he he's got autism. So he he actually said he made a point that hit to me that he had he had thrived during COVID because he hadn't been around people as much, even though mm. you know he knows how to handle it clearly because and, and knows you know, knows what works for him and doesn't because he was in such a position. And th- but then I've had other, uh, I've, I've spoken to other people who can't wait to get back in the office. It's, um, you know, they've, they've had enough of being at home. But um, I, from what you, just on your point there, I, I can really see these digital, um, like a digital nomad type career, really, really, you know, having taking off and, and continuing to happen post post covid because people people like the flexibility don't they absolutely and I, and I think you know we're starting to see it with corporations i think it was just the other week i can't remember whether it was deloitte or pwc but they said that they were going to allow all of their uk workers to work from home going forward mm-hmm. um, which is obviously fantastic in terms of if a big corporate's doing this and probably other companies going to follow uh but absolutely the digital digital nomad culture uh, it's fantastic. I've been doing it for years, but uh, it's really, you know, it really is the future because as long as your employer has trust in you um, to do your job effectively, then I think there's, there's no real issue. One of the things I have noticed is uh, as, a, as, a, as a downside to potentially working in an office all day every day is that you don't really sort of get the social life. You know, you don't sort of see your colleagues every day. You don't sort of interact with them and their lives and their lifestyle events so you kind of miss that out in terms of a social life with them but you know you've effectively got less time where you're commuting i think when i I worked it out when i was working with garmin i think i had an extra 10 hours a week yeah um, it's a lot isn't it it's a time you know taking into account commuting and showering and you know even just going for lunch in the canteen you know that that in itself is you know that's that's not my time that's their time in reality um so there's all that extra time you get and you can wheedle that in wherever it is throughout the week and actually become more productive as well. Yeah, um, I agree. So, you know, it's, it's, it's the future, isn't it? Mm. Come on then, t- tell, us, tell us more about Coros. What, Coros, what, what do Coros do? What makes Coros different and why, why are you in some, um, this strong position you're talking about? Sure. Well, well basically, we, we've got four main categories. So we've got track running, We've got trail running, we've got ultra running, we've got mountaineering and adventure. Um, and I'm going to talk about pace first. And, and, and so I talked about the pace before. Um, we brought out the pace two in August last year. Um, and this is sort of focused towards track competitive running. So it's the lightest GPS watch in the world on the market at launch. And I believe also still to date. Um, so, you know, if you're doing laps of a track, you know, um, having a light product and light equipment is obviously really helpful. Um, but also, you know, we still managed to pack in a, a lot of features um, for the value of 179.99. So when you look at it and where it fits in the market, it's actually one of the best value watches um, on the market. 
both in terms of software features, but also in terms of hardware features. So you've got things like the battery life up to 60 days in ultra max mode. Um, you can have up to 30 days, uh, sorry, 30 hours in, uh, sorry, I meant to say hours, um, 30 hours in GPS mode, which is continuous tracking. Um, so in terms of software and hardware, you've got a really good product here for a really good value. Um, so for people who are just starting off and running, it's a fantastic first watch. For people like, you know, Elliot Kipchoge, one of our athletes, yeah. um, the greatest of all time, um, or Emma Coburn in the US and uh, Emily Enfield. Um, you know, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's, it's really made for them in reality. And so if it's good enough for them, it's probably good enough for 99% of the people on the market. Um, did, did, so were you involved with getting Kipchoge and your ambassadors on board? So we work with, so uh, Kip Chogi is obviously a very, very busy guy. So he's got a team which we work with, which is the NN running team. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and, and so we work with them and their athletes. And obviously we, we do our content um, through that. And uh, But we have direct line with Kip Chogi. So we'll send him the products in advance. So new hardware, new software, he'll get it before anyone else. Um, and, and so with our other athletes like John Kelly in the UK, um, Ultra Runner. Um, and you know, they'll give us feedback on the hardware and software, and then that will go straight back into the product um, as soon as we can, and then that will come out in the release. Um, so we use our athletes, actually, because they are, you know, the, they are the, the exact category of the people that the watches are made for. You know, having their feedback is absolutely key um, because, you know, although it's maybe only 1%, you know, for, for example, if Kipchoge is only 1% of the actual people who will use the watch, um, the watch is made for him. And if it's good enough for Kipchoge, then it's good enough for everyone else. Um, so that's kind of the philosophy that we take when it comes to um, designing these products, which is very um, uh, unorthodox when you look at what other brands are doing. Um, I'm going just going to use names today. Um, when you look at Garmin, um, a lot of their watches are sort of a, a, a mix match of lots of different features. So if we say, you know, take the Phoenix, uh, five, which I'm sure lots of people have got a Phoenix 6X. It's, it's got a lot of features in there. It's got a lot of lifestyle features and it's got a lot of, uh, sort of adventure features, but there's no sort of focus on a particular thing. Um, and so you end up getting a watch, which is very good as an overall all rounder. Um, but it's sort of going after that sort of 90% of the market. Whereas what we do is the philosophy is to go after the 5% of the market because we want to be able to make a watch, which is the best for those people who are going to use it. Um, uh, but you know, because we're able to segment slightly better than what Garmin do, which is, you know, saying track running, trail running, um, you know, ultra running and mountaineering, it's a lot easier for us to be able to focus on what matters for the person who's doing ultra running, which is battery life, durability, you know, touch screen, um, maps, uh, you know, that sort of thing. So that's, that's, that sort of helps in terms of um, the end user and what their needs and wants are. Um, but coming coming back to sort of what makes us special is that um, when we released the Vertex, this was the, lo- the, the longest lasting GPS watch in the world. So not only do we have the lightest GPS watch in the world, we have the longest lasting as well. Yeah. Um, and, and the Vertex will last up to 150 hours on on, on a single battery life um, in, in ultra max mode. Um, so if you're going to go and do marathon to Star Wars, uh, then you know a six day, multi-day ultra marathon event then you can absolutely do that uh, without needing to charge your watch. And it will also last for the entirety um, of the MDS in 
that sort of heat as well, because um, obviously heat affects the battery and stuff. Um, but we've, we've just had an am- ambassador recently, uh, Hoshvard and Yoshi, uh, who's just climbed to the top of Mount Everest and used the Vertex. Um, so it makes it a great adventure watch, but also a great endurance watch. Um, so it really is quite amazing by what the athletes and ambassadors are able to do. Yeah, uh, but we take their feedback every time. You know, they can submit reports, and we get the feedback, and we're constantly improving features. Yeah, and we see the great thing about watches is that we can bring out new software all the time. So we've just bought our Evo Lab, which has got a load of new performance metrics. Um, so people who have bought a watch a year ago now thinking to themselves, "Oh, this is new tech. This is old technology." They get this new software update and boom they've got a new watch effectively um yeah so yeah it's it's sort of a long a long lifestyle for all the products that's good just so just a note on the battery life like i say i, I remember seeing a tweet a couple of weeks ago and i can remember specifically they were saying that they, they hadn't had to charge it for 16 days so if you're saying 30 hours then that that you know that's pretty completely plausible and then and, you know and they were they were really shouting about it and you've just said there about um, you know, the 150 hours lasting. Is your ideal customer then, uh, are they the real endurance? So ultra runners, real long distance cyclists, or, or am I wrong there? Well, it, it comes down all down, all down to that segmentation again. So if we're going to look at the Vertex and the Apex Pro and even the Apex, uh, so the, the base two is, is the road and competitor product. The apex through to the vertex is sort of like your ultra marathon and then the vertex is sort of more sort of mountaineering if we were to look at the apex pro which is the ultra endurance watch the ideal customer is someone who's doing multi-day events um so i think i'm just top of my head apex pro is up to 120 hours in ultra max gps uh i'm trying to top, top of my head i think it's like 40 hours in continuous gps you know which is a multi-day event um so you know someone you know they could be doing that one day or they could be doing that over two weeks so the, so the person who's quoted 16 days uh, it's likely what they've done there is they've had it in smartwatch mode which is sort of having notifications come through and sleep tracking during during the night but they've also gone and then done um, runs during the day and they've tracked their gps um, and the watches do last really long so i think it's on the vertex it lasts up to 45 days in regular use which is what we classify as smartwatch mode, which is notifications and sleep tracking stuff. And then obviously you've got two GPS categories, which is uh, continuous GPS, which is sending a signal out every second. And so you're getting a continuous plotting. Um, and then Ultramax GPS mode, which is, don't quote me on this, but it's, uh, I think it's every 120 seconds, it sends out a ping for 30 seconds, and then it turns it off again for 120 seconds. And that just allows you to conserve battery life to get that longer sort of battery rating for a super long event. Um, and then the internal uh, sensors within the watch will sort of use uh, the ABC, the altimeter, the baro, barometer, barometer, and compass, uh, and all the sort of motion sensors to sort of pair that up in terms of internally and then put that onto routes. Um, but yeah, in terms of you know what we want in terms of a pace two user, we want someone who's doing track running, um, someone who's doing competitive road running, uh, someone who's just doing road running, or someone who's training for a marathon. Um, I think the great thing about these watches, although we even focus very specifically and exclusively um, on the segments, is that they can be used by anybody. And obviously, as I said before, if it's good enough for Kipchoge, then it's probably good enough for for, for most people yeah. as well. So you're obviously someone who's got 
a lot of knowledge around the wearable space. What what is your take on the number of variables that we have? Is there is there a case to say that there's too much and that sometimes we we're drowning in stats and it overcomplicates it? Um, well, I think you know, I think yes to an extent. But you know, the, the great thing about Strava is that it allows people to sort of see the, the breakdown of their roots and their runs and stuff and i think giving that sort of control to people allows them to become slightly fitter and become better and better and bettering themselves uh, through exercise which you know, can only be a good thing um but in terms of uh, i think we I, i'm, I'm going to just talk about course because it, when, when i look at the other brands that are, you know it, it's, it's not fair to say that let me let me let me rephrase that so it's it's a case of allowing people to have the basics um so we give people um, pace distance and time which are really the most important things and then you've got things like steps and you've got calories um which are the basics and they're you know that's that's all you really need people can have the benefit of using slightly more aggressive and and more in-depth uh metrics like training load and training uh, fatigue and training effect in aerobic and anaerobic types of exercises and vo2 max and spo2 and all this other stuff which is all great uh but i think unless you're training for a marathon uh and you know this isn't taken into account as well glucose how glucose ratings and how much you know sodium you've got in in your in your in your body and your blood um you know I was just recently looking at um, Super Sapiens, uh, you know, which is a glucose monitoring to see how much sort of yes. uh, glucose you've got in your body, which puts you in the in the right state of um, uh, body. Um, uh, trying to think of the word, but it, it basically allows you to maximise running a marathon. Yeah, and all that sort of stuff is great, but the, the vast majority of people don't need that unless you're doing constant marathons. You know almost every weekend then that would be more useful um, but people who are doing catch to 5k they don't need that they need pace distance of time and they need to be able to see active calories and ideally also non-active calories um, which your non-active calories are obviously your 2500 a day with if you're a, a man sort of over the age of 18 and your active calories which is what you're burning during your exercise yeah um, so that you can work out there's a deficit there and obviously lose weight or those calories or you know burn fat or whatever um but i think yeah i mean when i look about what i use uh, in, in a lot of cases i don't actually record my runs because i'm a little bit uh, as i'm sure a lot of people are now and i know a lot of people are a little bit maybe embarrassed by my times and i think this whole sort of idea and you know what strava has done in a lot of cases is is make people really sort of um aware of how slow they might be um, if they're comparing to other people constantly, um, which and that obviously has that that downside when you it's, it's a social network, really, isn't it? People are trying to compare each other and um, social comparison theory off each other all the time, um, yeah. which isn't good. Um, so that's why I don't record my runs. And for and for a long time, actually, I never was recorded my cycles either because uh, it was always you, you always felt like you were you were cycling against the clock. Whereas it shouldn't feel like that. You should be out enjoying the bike and enjoying the road um, or, or yeah. the weather or whatever. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I agree. Hmm. What's you, what, so what, what, you mentioned cycling. What, what, do you get up, what do you get up to outside of work? What's your, uh, what's your chosen sport? And 
Is it cycling or running? Uh, well, or? I, I I do I do a lot of cycling. I, I do do running, uh, but as I say, I don't really record it. Um, but I do a lot of cycling. Yeah. Exeter's got some. Exeter is either flat or very very hilly. There's no in between. So it's I, I do a lot of flat riding down to the down to the beach, uh, but also you know just on the outskirts of uh, Darwin National Park as well, and sort of outside towards Exeter Airport. It's quite hilly. Um, which is obviously good for you know, yeah. you know, building strength and stuff. Um, so I quite enjoy that side um, of cycling and obviously social rides, and especially if we can sort of pair that up with a pub uh, and have yeah, like a definitely. little beer bar crawl going. Um, but I, I actually also play dodgeball um, semi-professionally. Um, so it's not just a, uh, a childhood school game. It, it is actually a game that people play. So yeah, I was going to uh, say, really, is, really that, is that is there re, is there actual leagues? Is there for dodgeball? I wasn't. I didn't know that. So in the in the UK, we have the uh, the South West Dodgeball League, uh, which is all the sort of top universities in the Southwest, Bristol, and Bath, and that sort of stuff, and Exeter. Um, and we, we get together and we play leagues and and, and and tournaments, and it's it's very good. We've got um, a team in, in in Exeter called the Dartmoor Beasts. Um, so uh, we get together and we throw balls at each other, basically. <laughs> Yeah, it's really I've good fun. Image of, I've just got that image of Ben Stiller in my mind with his moustache, yes. you know, and his team. Or... <laughs> Dodge, duck, dip, and dive. But yeah, it's um, it's it's amazing. It's it's really good exercise as well. I, I mean, obviously we've had COVID, so we've not been able to play um, very much. But we had our our first session last week, uh, and it's quite amazing the amount of muscles that you use um, muscles that you just don't use in any other sport to the point that. I'm still aching from last week's session. Yeah, I, I bet it's a very. That must be a very dynamic, very dynamic sport and quite explosive. Mm. Absolutely. I mean, I wear my heart rate strap as well, and I, I think I got about a thousand calories in just under an hour, which is yeah, you know, a pretty intense workout. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was thinking I was in zone five for most of it. Uh, I thought so. Go, Ben. It's. It, it, I, I, didn't, on, I didn't realize it was a proper, it was a proper game. Uh, loads well, of fun it, yeah wanging a ball it, 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 it's so much fun that you actually almost forget that it's exercise yeah you actually forget that you're almost to a point of passing out because you're just having so much fun and you're like your heart rate's so high yeah it's amazing you should come down come play yeah yeah that's how it should be definitely and in the pub definitely um and what, what else do you get up to outside of work have you got any non-sporting hobbies I do a lot of motorcycling. Uh, I've got a BMW 12 with a GSA, which is like a big sort of adventure motorcycle. Um, so I do a lot of riding on that. The plan is to find a metal fabricator and sort of try and weld a bicycle rack onto the side of the pannier of the motorcycle so I can take my bicycle with me and, and motorcycle around Europe in September uh, and just and, and, and remote work basically uh, around Europe. Um, so that's that's what's on the cards at the moment. Um, that's the plan. Just Very nice. A whole room full of uh, stock at the moment, which I just need to get rid of. Um, so, Very, so nice. Got, uh, Very nice. So that's that's the plan. Cool. Well, um, give us all of your social handles so if people want to connect with you, they they can please. That'd be great. Sure. Well, people can contact me on LinkedIn. Um, that's probably what I use mainly. Uh, it's just Ben Clark, Global Partnerships Manager at Coros Wearables. You can find it through the Coros page, um, or you could type in Young Professionals Awards 2021 Ben Clark, 
uh, and, and, and that will be quickly come up. Or, you, or they can contact me on their Coros UK, which is Coros at Coros. You know, I've messed it up. At Coros underscore UK uh, on Instagram. Uh, and and that'll get through to me. Brilliant. Ben, thanks ever so much for coming on and having a chat. It's been been really good to speak. Yes, thank you very much. Cheers, Ben.